Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery. This is Anne. Before we get to today's guests, if you do not follow us on YouTube or Instagram or Facebook, you need to go there now. We have just posted an amazing music video, which is by our guest, Rylin Riggs. So I am actually interviewing Rylin Riggs, who created this music video for BTR and for victims of abuse. Please go to our YouTube channel. It is Betrayal Trauma Recovery on YouTube. Subscribe there. This video was posted yesterday, and so many women have already viewed it. We are so thrilled. It really captures the emotions that victims go through when they realize that they've been abused and that they've been betrayed. Rylin is singing in this, and she's the one that created it, and so we're going to talk to her today. You may want to pause and go to our YouTube channel right now and watch this video first before you listen to the rest of this podcast. You can also see this video on Instagram or on Facebook. Once you see it, we really encourage you to share it, like it, subscribe to our channel. We really want to get this video out there. We have so many women that listen to this podcast and follow our social media platforms. Let's see if we can get this video to go viral. Please, please, please help us out with this. Comment, subscribe, you know, everything you can do to share this video would be really helpful. I'm going to introduce Rylin right now. Rylin Riggs was born and raised in Chandler, Arizona. Her passions include singing, dancing, acting, horseback riding, baking, making movies, as you will see when you go to our YouTube channel to see this, and being the favorite aunt to her 14 beautiful nieces and nephews. Since she was young, her greatest passion has been the stage. She received her bachelor's degree in vocal performance from Brigham Young University and has performed as a leading soprano throughout the U.S., China, and Austria. After graduation, she became a lead singer for Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. She was then able to fulfill another dream and served an 18-month mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in San Diego, California at the Mormon Battalion Historic Site. For the past three years, Rylin has been sharing her talents with families from all over the world as a lead singer on a Disney cruise line. Rylin has learned the importance of hard work, confidence, self-worth, and perseverance in bringing one's dreams to life. Her mantra is, you can do anything if you just do it. Welcome, Rylin. Thank you so much, Anne. So I'm hoping by this time people have paused this podcast, they've gone to our YouTube channel, they have seen this amazing music video that you made. I'm hoping they have shared it. I'm hoping they commented. I'm hoping that they're letting their friends and family know about this incredible video and also that they're understanding that this can help their friends and family and other people understand the pain that victims go through. So you were prompted to create this video to help educate people about betrayal trauma. But before we get to that and what happened with that, let's start with your own personal story. Did you know about your husband's pornography addiction before you were married? I did know a little bit about his addiction before we were married. There was one night when after things had gotten more serious in our dating that he approached me and said there was some things in his past that he wanted to make me aware of so that I truly knew everything about him. And he shared with me that he struggled with pornography pornography throughout his teenage years. But, you know, I was kind of naive to the problem, to how serious a porn addiction could be and what that all entailed. And I didn't know the right questions to ask. And I was just thinking, well, no one's perfect. And I asked him if he had struggled with it since. 
because he said he had cleaned up and was able to serve a two-year mission and didn't struggle with it at all and hadn't struggled since he'd been home. So to me, I thought, well, that was brave of him to bring that up with me and share it with me. And I believed him and I didn't know what else to ask about it. Even if you had, because we know that pornography users often lie about their porn use or abusive men often lie and manipulate. So even if you had known the right questions to ask, that likely would actually not have helped you. What we find helps women more, and you know this now, is what behaviors to look for, right? And you also didn't know that at the time, right? So what was your reaction to his disclosure about viewing and acting out with porn after you were married? What action steps were taken after you discovered that he was still using porn? Well, it was about five months into our marriage that he called me very distraught and crying and telling me that I needed to come home because he needed me. I didn't know what was going on. And then when I got home, he shared with me that he had viewed and acted out to porn. In my mind, I was thinking, okay, so all of a sudden after four or five years of not viewing porn, you've gone back to it. Why? So as a new bride, I of course was sitting there in utter shock and feeling like, immediately like it had something to do with me. Was I not enough? Why would he go back to this now? And I mostly was just in shock and disbelief. But he also seemed so sorry when he told me that my immediate reaction was, I love you. Thank you for being honest with me and telling me about it. And let's go meet with our bishop and get a therapist and start working through this together. I literally told him, use me when you need to use me. Let's be open and get through this together. Use me as far as if you're feeling tempted, talk to me, tell me when you've done it. Let's be open and honest. And I think a part of me was like, hey, well, if you're feeling the urge, hello, we're married. Let me know. Like, why would you turn to that instead of turning to me, your wife? I know now down the road that those were a lot of the wrong things to do. Yeah, I'm guessing you didn't understand the the emotional abuse that you had been subjected to, right? Not at all. And did you also didn't understand, I'm guessing, boundaries or keeping yourself safe? I knew nothing about that because it did not register in my mind that anything had been done to me at that point. Mm, yeah, you're just thinking oh, this is too bad for him, but I can help him through it. Kind of like he got a broken finger or something. Describe what happened in your personal life during this time. And what were your days like as you tried to, quote unquote, help your husband work through his addiction? They were pretty awful. For me, long story short, I kind of took on the problem. I'm a go-getter in all of the things that I do in life. And so it's not surprising to me that I kind of took everything on my shoulders. I became very worried about doing check-ins with him. And I was even worried when I talked to him, if he was telling me the truth or not, setting up appointments for therapy. We went together and we went separately. Then I was told about addiction recovery programs and started going to those. But as we went, there was no really desire or effort coming from him to want to go. It was like I was dragging him along which made things worse because then I felt like I was fighting harder for something that wasn't even really my issue to begin with, but it was becoming my issue and it was consuming my days. And I actually 
was fired from my job. I was let go from my job in that meeting with my boss and my office manager. My boss said, ultimately, he was very sorry, but I was just so sad all the time and he had to let me go. And that was a huge wake up call for me because that is not a way I've ever been described in my life. Usually people associate me with words like you're so bubbly and so happy and so outgoing to see that I had become this sad person that couldn't even hide my sadness and just everything was spiraling the other way and affecting my life in a very negative way was a huge wake up call for me. And I became this kind of introverted ball of depression and tears and anxiety. I began to have panic attacks, which I had never experienced before in my life. And it just seemed like I could not succeed anywhere. I couldn't succeed at my jobs and I couldn't succeed at home. And everything was just so dark and hopeless during that time. And it really, I lost myself completely. I was just trying to survive each day. I became very numb through that whole process. So you did not realize at that time that you were in an abusive relationship. You didn't realize that the reason this was happening was because you were a victim of abuse. But you did start to realize that you were suffering from betrayal trauma. How did you realize the betrayal trauma piece? That became a realization as I finally sat down and spoke with someone one-on-one for myself. My ecclesiastical leader had been told by my husband that I was depressed because that's what my husband was blaming things on. I was suffering from depression. So my ecclesiastical leader met with me and I said, I'm not depressed. This is what's going on. And he referred me to meet with someone who is a professional in mental health. As I sat down with her, she is the first person who mentioned the words betrayal trauma to me. And after I finished speaking with her about what was going on, she said, honey, you're not depressed. You are suffering from betrayal trauma and you have signs of PTSD. And I looked at her and said, what's betrayal trauma? (laughs) I had no idea what that was at the time. She did expound further and mention the different types of abuse that were going on being emotional, spiritual, mental, all of those things. And I just sat and listened to her say that in disbelief. But as she said it, it kind of dawned on me, of course, that makes complete sense. But as most people, when I think of abuse, I don't think of all the emotional types of abuse that are out there. And I especially wouldn't associate that with my spouse. I wouldn't ever think my spouse would be someone who would be emotionally, spiritually, mentally abusing me. But unfortunately, that was the reality. And it wasn't until I spoke with her that all those light bulbs went on. And I realized how bad the situation was. Yeah, it's a lot worse than people imagine. I think it's really interesting how victims don't recognize how bad the situation is. Because everyone listening to this podcast has been through it everyone can empathize with you and be like, yeah, that's exactly how it was for me. I think that's one thing that we need to educate people about in regard to abuse is that victims don't always know what is happening to them, right? What is the most difficult thing you realized throughout this experience? The most difficult thing that I realized throughout this experience was the fact that I could not save my husband. 
no matter how many times I went to therapy or how many times I prayed or how many times I took him to a recovery class, just no matter how hard tooth and nail I clawed to try to save our marriage and help him, I was powerless. I had to learn that his actions were separate from mine, that they did not have anything to do with me, even though that's the hardest thing I think for a spouse to believe, but that they didn't have anything to do with me and that it was all his choices, his actions, his consequences he had to deal with that he wasn't and that there was absolutely nothing I could do about it. I think it's interesting when women find out that they're being abused, they only have two options. One of them is the abuse stops. And the second option is that they set boundaries. But so many women at the beginning, they think they have more options than that. They think one of their options is to help him stop being abusive. And that's never an option because it never works. So there's either he just stops on his own somehow, and then you're safe, or you have to start setting boundaries. Speaking of boundaries, knowing what you know now, if you could go back in time and do it over again, which none of us can, but we've all thought this, what would you have done differently? And this question isn't meant to like, oh, what should you have done? But to educate women who are currently in this situation to help them know what to do now. Yes. Well, first of all, I would have loved to know right away, it's not my fault and I can't blame myself or take it on my shoulders. So knowing that I would definitely take that off of myself right away. Secondly, would have done a lot more research before finding a therapist that we met with because we just went with someone recommended to us by our ecclesiastical leader who was not qualified in any way regarding abuse. I also would be more vocal about it because the decision that we made when it first happened was that we didn't want to share with our families what was going on because we didn't want either person to be viewed in a bad light or gossiped about amongst our family. And we decided we could get through it together on our own with each other and with our therapist. And I think that was also a huge mistake because it allowed him to continue to get away with not having to own up to his addiction and the problems that were happening within our marriage because of it. And I think if we would have involved our parents, at least as a support group, it maybe would have helped him to be more accountable right away rather than feeling like he could keep hiding it. Maybe. Let me put your heart at ease in that regard. I told everyone my ex didn't want me to, but then it ended up getting used against me by my in-laws. So it can go either way. I'm not saying people should or should not tell other people, but just know that both of them have risks. But I do think victims need a safe support network, and you don't know if someone is safe if you don't try, right? So even if you try and it doesn't go so well with a particular person, your your mother-in-law, a father-in-law, even your own parents, at least you tried to see if they were safe, which you won't know if you don't try. So try. And then if they are unsafe, then you can always set boundaries or pull back later. But building a really strong support network is really important. Yes. And with setting boundaries, again, that was a concept that I didn't know about and was brought my knowledge way too far into the issue. So if I knew about that and went through something like this again or could do it again, I immediately would have started setting safe boundaries and sticking to them 
because trying to do that two years into problems already going on just immediately turned into him feeling like what you're going to punish me now as if I already don't feel bad enough you're going to punish me now and he just reacted in the way that it was like he was being a child and he was being punished and how could I do that to him when he was already hurting so much so boundaries never worked for us well they worked for you they worked for you they didn't work for your abuser and then he was trying to get around the abuse by saying that stuff, but that was meant to manipulate you to drop your boundaries. That was a calculated way of trying to convince you, gaslight you, manipulate you, lie to you, so you would drop the boundaries. So did your boundaries work for you? Yes. So when people say boundaries didn't work for us, I always want to tell women, oh, no, 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 they're always going to work for you. They might not work for your abuser, but great. If they don't work for your abuser, then yay. If he's mad because he can't abuse you anymore, fantastic. You've done yourself a favor. And if someone is abusive and you set a boundary, their abuse will escalate. So they'll manipulate you more. They'll get more angry. If they're not abusive and you set a boundary, things will slowly get better over time or if they're not really far into the abuse. So setting a boundary is always going to help victims know their baseline safety situation, which is good. Okay, so let's talk about this music video. Again, I'm going to pause here one more time. If you haven't yet, go to our YouTube channel, Betrayal Trauma Recovery. Watch this video. We just posted it yesterday. Please subscribe to our channel. Share it with your friends and family. Share it on Facebook. Share it everywhere you can. We've also posted it on Instagram. So if you're on Instagram and you could tag us so that people could go to our Instagram account and watch it on Facebook, same thing. Please help us get this video out so other people can understand the pain and suffering that women go through because Rilin has done such a good job of illustrating this. So I got an email a while ago that said, hey, I'm Rilin Riggs. I'm a singer. I want to create a music video. And we started talking and became friends. I was so inspired by you that you had this prompting to create a music video and then you put your whole heart and soul into it and made this incredible illustration of pain and also hope. So please tell our audience now that they've seen this amazing video, what inspired you to create it? Well, this song became a song that was very important to me as part of my just survival and healing when I was in the middle of all of this experience. And it was just on my mind for a while. I'm not going to lie. It had been on my mind for about a year and a half. I waited too long to make this, but the song gave words to my pain and exactly what I was feeling so poignantly that it was such a strength to me. Music has done that for me through my whole life. And I just thought, you know, I wonder if I should make a music video to do this and just spread awareness about what happens to the spouse in this situation or to the partner in this situation, because there's so much help out there and support for the addict or for the abuser. And I feel like, and in my personal experience and in my experiences with other women that I met in support groups, that we often are the ones who are pushed aside while we are just asked to hold on a little longer while our husband gets help. And we're left with all of these emotions and this trauma 
and we don't know what to do with it. So I wanted to make this video in hopes that if there is another woman out there on the other end of the computer screen going through what I was going through or who has been through it, and they're out there searching for support or help or to know what's happening to them, I wanted to make this for them because the faster they can know about it, the faster they can find the help and the resources for healing, the better. I feel like it was way too far into my experience to find what I found. I'm grateful that I found things like UTR.org was one that was referred to me and has been such a saving grace. I know there's thousands of women out there going through this, and I don't want them to suffer or feel hopeless any longer than they need to. And so that was my hope. My simple hope in doing this is that even if one woman out there going through what I went through watches this and then finds a community of love and support to help her heal, it'll have been worth it. Yeah. And you said something that's really interesting. You said that women are just asked to wait, right? And like, just hold on a little bit longer. But what they're not told is you may not be safe while you're waiting, right? They're not told. And during the quote unquote waiting process, you may be still being abused along the way. And so how can we help create a seriously safe environment for you where you can wait from a safe distance? And I think that is one reason why the trauma is so bad. Even with professionals or church leaders or other people, we weren't sort of like cocooned in a safe place during the waiting period. And in fact, the abuse escalates and escalates and escalates. And we have been encouraged to, quote unquote, do our part or be supportive when really we've just been abused that whole time and it hasn't stopped the abuse cycle. So that's one thing I loved about this video, that it really hit home the abuse that we experience during that time and that all of the pleading, all of the please stop or help or what can I do, you know, that type of thing is part of that abuse cycle for women. And to get to safety takes an actual like step towards safety, which is really hard. But I love that end where she just takes another woman's hand and that network of support is waiting for women all over the world. It doesn't necessarily have to be BTR. It could be a local support group that someone goes to. It could be friends at work. It could be anyone who can reach out and buoy you up and help you. Your video just showed that so well. Thank you so much. I 100% agree with you. But what about you in the meantime? How do you remain safe? None of that was ever addressed with me. And I remember asking the third time I was asked to hold on and keep waiting. I remember my reply was, why would I keep fighting and holding on for something that makes me so miserable and is so abusive? And there was no answer really for me from that person. So you ended up getting divorced. Yes. Do you feel like creating this video has helped you heal? I do. The way I was raised and what I've been taught in my faith is that everything happens for a reason. And through all of this, I've often struggled because I've sat there and gone, what have I done to deserve this? I've been a loyal, faithful wife. I've stayed true. I've tried to love unconditionally and endlessly, and this is what I get for it. How is this fair? Um, that's been something I've really struggled with, but I've tried to have the outlook of how is this making me stronger and what's the purpose and 
that's something that I've been so grateful with making this video is because, I mean, immediately, as soon as I started taking action and making plans to have this made and reaching out to people and getting volunteers to be in it and just producing it, there were so many little miracles that immediately fell into place. I could not deny that God's hand was in it. And I felt so happy and good knowing I was doing something that he was guiding me to do and would hopefully lead to helping a lot of women. And as we finished making the video, I just thought, you know, I'm so grateful. This is the first time I've been able to make beauty out of these ashes, make a little bit of sense or have some good come from the worst years of my life ever. And I'm so grateful. I'm grateful that I followed the prompting and have made it. And I only hope that it does what I've been hoping that it would do and help so many women. It has definitely helped me heal. Our hope, Ritland's and mine, is that we can get this video to go viral. And the reason we want it to do that is because so many women are in this situation and they don't understand what is happening to them. It's very important that we help women get educated about abuse, what it looks like, what it sounds like, what to look for if your husband says he's in quote unquote recovery from pornography addiction and how to tell the difference between someone who is just grooming you and saying they're in recovery and going through the motions and someone who is genuinely a safe person. They're two completely different things. So again, Please go to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. Watch it. Share it. I am so grateful for Erlin for following these promptings to help women throughout the world find peace, to help them know that they are not alone. So even if it doesn't go viral, <laughs> if some women find out about BTR who have not found out about it before, or if some women watch this video and realize, wait a minute, this is what has been happening to me, then... It will have been a success. So thank you, Rilyn, for coming on today's episode to talk about your experience. Thank you so, so much for having me and allowing me to share my story. And thank you to everyone who's watched the video so far. And I hope it helps you. Again, you can find this video on our YouTube channel, Betrayal Trauma Recovery. You can also follow us on Instagram at Betrayal Trauma Recovery and on Facebook. Just search Betrayal Trauma Recovery to find our page. We're also on Twitter at Betrayal Trauma. This interview is also posted on our website, btr.org. If you click on education and go to podcast with transcriptions, you can find this episode. The YouTube video will be embedded there. So if you want to share this interview with the video, that would be a good link to share from the website, btr.org. Sharing it would help us so much. And also your comments help the algorithm so that more people can see it. So please, please, please comment, share everything you can do. Let's see if we can make this go viral. And until next week, stay safe out there.